Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is a Faith and Family Friday edition with my lovely wife, Carrie. And Carrie, you're just about done watching the Harry Potter movies with my three girls at home. What are you doing? However, it was interrupted with an, a movie you've never seen. I know. I'm uh, so happy to share that with you. I want to... very Catholic, surprisingly so. It was a Catholic? Oh, you're right. Do oh, you yeah. I, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, that's cool. All right. What's the movie? What are you guys thinking? You'll never guess. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that... As a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. On this first Friday, we come close to you, Jesus, in your cross. We ask, Jesus, that you would set us free, set us cleanse our hearts and minds, Lord, of the things that don't honor you. Let us live in a way that is worthy of the call that we have received, Lord. Lord, thank you for the call that you have given to us to be saints, Give us the grace to live that out. Bless families today. In Jesus' holy name, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All right. I forgot about that movie. I had never seen it, but I had kind of like this flash of an image in my mind. The movie is called An Affair to Remember. Now, is that Cary Grant or Rock Hudson? Oh, no. Cary Grant. It was Cary Grant. Now you're making me doubt. Yes. It's not Rock Hudson. I know that. Okay. Yeah. So I did see see how much I know about my <laughs> 1950s movie stars. Well, he was the other studly guy in those movies. Yeah. But the part that was striking was when they went to pray in the chapel at his grandma's house. The reason we watched it is we have a friend, their son's name is Nico. And she kept going, Nicolo, Nicolo, when she went to visit, when he went to visit his grandma. And just the love that they had for each other was so endearing and sweet. And it made me want to pray to be a great, holy, and influential grandma one day. Her ability to influence the two of them and then just him. and I just thought it was too much. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like I, she was too much for Yeah, her? she just was like so over the oh, top. Nico, oh, Nico. Oh, Nico. Yeah, it was. Oh, uh, I thought that was so endearing. I, you didn't think it was real or authentic, or maybe we just don't know grandmas like that. I, I don't know. I, I, I loved the idea that I mean, in her villa, estate, whatever it was, you didn't really ever see the house. They just showed sort of the garden. It's kind of then, an outdoor house. Yeah, sort of an outdoorsy like gathering area. And then there was the entrance into the main living room, which they showed. Talk about like a difference in like how you produce movies, right? And then there was the chapel. 
uh, and it's like, wow, how many houses have their own private chapel? And she, when she got there, when, when they arrived, she was in the chapel praying. And what does the, you know, the, the woman do? She says, oh, let me go say a prayer in the chapel. And, and then he goes and joins as well because uh, grandma kind of pokes him a bit. And they go into the chapel and what's in the chapel? It's a statue of the Blessed Mother. I'm like, this is Hollywood? Huge statue. <laughs> and, and she's just like gazing like with this devotion at the statue of the Blessed Mother. And then he prays with her, which I thought was one of the most intimate points of a, a movie, a romantic movie, when two people pray together in that very private way is very, I don't know, it's very endearing, sweet. Well, and then there were a couple of points where he um, like looks at her while she's praying, and then she looks at him when he's praying, or faking praying. <laughs> Couldn't really tell if he was really, really praying or not. Uh, that was sort of the one of the background things. But I, I've, I've heard of the movie, and... Did did they do a remake on that movie? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. It's just re- referenced in several movies. Okay, I I swear there was a like I had this image in my head of a woman sitting with a blanket over her lap, and um, and um, and she was that was when she was paralyzed. But I thought she was at the top of the Empire State Building. No, there's no remake that I know of. It was ma- it was put into a, a movie that has a remake, which is, um, it's not You've Got Mel. It's um, Breakfast with Tiffany. No, it was uh, Sleepless in Seattle is when they reference Empire State oh, Building. Oh, okay. Which is the same actors, Meg Ryan and uh, Tom Hanks. Okay. All those romantic movies, they all kind of inter interstep each other. And well, what what you you were like? We have to watch this movie. I don't know. And why. it was it was so. <laughs> Let me Honestly, just say, like, uh, let me call it like straight line basic. And you, you know, they used to be able to crank out movies, you know, like in a month. And and, you, and now you know why, because here's this movie, and it's like they do this little precursor scene that shows a guy who's gonna, you know, Cary Grant's ending up on the boat, and the girl is ending up on the boat, and then they cross paths once, and then the entire movie, well, ninety percent of the movie is them just being together in conversation on the boat. And it's like, oh, is it really that straight line, you know, that much of a straight line idea that they're, you know, they're, there's all this little tete-a-tete, flirtatious uh, kind of energy. And, you know, it, it just seemed, I don't know, I, this is where I... I'm kind of basic. It seemed basic to me. Yeah, you're looking at me. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm uh, spoiled on CGI and <laughs> uh, like much more complicated scenes and film cinematography and 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 scripts and all of that. Yeah, I think it was just more all the chemistry between the two of them and their conversion, and then the whole story of her not being able to make it. And then the sacrifices they made to be together, and then the twist at the end. I don't know. There's a. L- I I found it very. Are you very- crying? Are you fucking crying? <laughs> Did I cry during that movie? Um, maybe. No, I think I felt. Right honestly, I fell asleep during the movie. Did you notice? No, I didn't um, know that. 
I'm, I cannot stay I thought you awake. just wanted to lean, lean in and just <laughs> kind of put your head on my shoulder and just be close. Could I just say, for Halloween, we had a party. We had about 30 trick-or-treaters come over, which oddly, the median age was probably 14, no, 13. Uh, I've never recalled as a child where teenagers go trick-or-treating. You stopped in eighth grade. But nowadays, everyone seems to think it's fine if you're 13, 14, 15, 16, and you trick-or-treat. As long as you are polite and say thank you and show appreciation. That's what I've heard. Anyhow, they're all over here. Huge group. We have a party. And I'm like, okay, it ends at 8 o'clock. We'll wrap it up. And you and I <laughs> kind of go into the kitchen. At and 9.30. Start cleaning. It's like, hey, guys, this is a little hint. I'm so night. tired. So I'm not going to call it anybody like the Shirters or the Pierces or the O'Donnells. <laughs> but, man, they like to party <laughs> since I'm not drinking. It's like, you guys, I got to go to bed. I'm tired. So 9 o'clock rolls around. We're watching a movie. The other night, a fair to remember, and I like doze off. I cannot stay up past 10. I'm getting old, I guess. But uh, maybe we're just getting older. Yeah, we're old. I'm old. <laughs> old. Uh, no, but it's okay. <laughs> I, I think I'm, one, of the, one of the signs is I, I much more rarely stay up late, and I much more readily get up early, like early before 6. Um, and I like that. I actually like getting up early better than I like staying up late. You know, I loved staying up late. And I'm thinking of our well, boys yeah. in college and girls, and they up till 2, 3 in the morning. You're seeing their whereabouts on their phones. And I remember not being tired. Like, I could really go. And now... I am like falling off a cliff around five in the afternoon. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Seven o'clock. I last till about seven, and then I slowly just fade. Okay, so making good use of our time, then I know that um, you know what what they say is do your most important work when when you have your best energy, right? And that's actually one of the one of the nice changes I've made since I came back from that um, real estate training is I don't read my email until after 10 in the morning. Isn't that pretty cool? Wait, isn't some of your most important work your email? Um, well, before that, and 10 o'clock is really, that's just a, it's like a stake in the ground. It's more when I get done my other work. Okay. And that's the prayer and the, um, like the personal development work and the getting my, my day in order work. It's just interesting that we're on the downward trend. Like our age, we are no longer producing, hustling, working at peak levels. That has That is in our rearview mirror. And there are young millennials out there that are just up early, working hard, multiple, multitasking, multiple jobs. All of that has like left me. And I, you say and you. I, I don't know. I us. still feel like I'm working really hard. <laughs> when, when, when do I get that break? Can I, can, I, can I hire a personal assistant? I mean, I'm like, yeah. Uh, well, I, I can't necessarily say you're slowed down. That would just not be true. But I just think of how much I could get done or crank out in my 20s. I was watching a few little kids over here, and I thought, man, how did we have all those kids, dress them, feed them, clothe them, change them, watch them, entertain them, discipline them, all the stuff we did. 
I just don't know how. I could never. I could never do that right now. I just so, would not have the wherewithal. One of the things that has emerged in your life more strongly in the last couple of years is a uh, a ministry to mothers of many. You know, mothers who have a lot of little ones and they're at home and they're trying to care for them. You remember how overwhelming it was, and there, there was a there was a kind of dying to self that went on there because you had you know, gone to college, finished graduate school, you have this sort of professional degree out and about in the world, and then one kid, two kid, three kid, four kids, I think when the fourth kid came, it kind of crushed you a bit. And you're like, you know, it's time to be home and just let it be okay that I'm at home. Those are hard years. I mean, they're very rewarding, but hard. You know what I really miss about Halloween is um, all the costumes we used to do. And the face paint and coming up with them and trying different ones on and just the sheer excitement of little kids when they're five, six, seven, eight. It is just so fun. I mean, the kids that were over were excited. They just wanted to go get a ton of candy. And there was this, a genuine excitement. But when they're little, it is so sweet. It is just so sweet. I miss, I really miss my kids when they're little. I miss those years, even though it was super hard. It was so uh, full, and you were definitely needed. Like, in a way, I'm not needed now. So, yeah, it's sad. So I'm so glad we're talking about faith yeah. and family this Friday here. <laughs> this, this is, I guess, that's kind of a first Friday sadness right there, dear, just yeah. to die in the self. I think that um, uh, there's a phrase coming to my mind from Father Mark Noonan, and I love Father Mark, and he just sent me a letter saying he's moved into the retirement home for clergy that is really in particular for those who have a medical need and therefore shouldn't be like living by themselves. And so he said, we have to learn how to reverence our limits, that all that the limits that we face in life are not all going to be overcome here on earth. Even limits that have to do with things like there's a wound in our heart or a brokenness in our, uh, our personality. And it's not going to simply be uh, miraculously healed or removed or transformed. And what Father Noonan would point out is that the real gift that God is giving, the grace that God is offering, is learning to live well with the limits and to reverence ourselves in those places in our lives where those limits are manifest. It's so great to be around someone who's very comfortable in their own skin, even when you can see they have limits and they embrace it, even celebrate it, joke at it, and just are comfortable. It, it's very soothing and relaxing to be in their presence. And then, you know, I know that because it's the opposite. When I'm around somebody who is a little bit uptight or anxious or triple thinking through what's going on and, and just cannot slow down, cannot settle. And then it makes you, it makes me kind of look over my shoulder like, is there something here I need to be <laughs> doing? I but... thought you were going to say like someone that's all put together. They, at a surface level, just appear to not have those limits and brokennesses and and 
faults. Hey, I'm like, go for it, man. You go, girl. You go, guy. I think it's fun to be around them, too, because <laughs> they are working super hard to get to where they are. Not necessarily a, a holy endeavor, but I sure, certainly enjoy human excellence. Yeah. Well, I speaking of human excellence, I think of high school girls basketball. Oh, no. What do you mean, oh, no? <laughs> it hasn't even started yet. <laughs> hey, hold on. Monday is parents' night. And I'm doing the big unveil at parents' night of what's going to be happening for these young women on the Chesterton Academy of Notre Dame Knights girls varsity basketball team. It's just called team. canned, Tom. You, don't, you can just take all uh, no, those no, no, words no, no, and no, just no. say canned. Back in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. I'm with my lovely wife, Carrie. Carrie, do, do you remember what Monday is? It's not just the parent, I mean, the parent night for, not parent night, basketball night for, for the parents. It's my birthday. Oh, that's right. Did you, did you forget? My mom didn't forget. She oh. asked what to get you today. Nice. So Thank you. Like? What can I Mary get on Margaret. Amazon? What can I send him? I gave her some ideas. Nice. Yeah. I will, I will take it. Yeah, so Monday, 59 years old. What would you like for your birthday? I don't know. I'm not good at that. Yeah, you're Isn't not. that crazy? No. I'm going to get through the okay. rest of my life. I'm going to die not knowing what I want for my birthday. I spend months ahead Do of time not. thinking... I think he'd like this. Do oh, you really? I think he would like that. Now, I don't remember what I thought, but <laughs> I do have these moments of, oh, Tom would really like this for his birthday, for sure. You know, one of the, um, I want to talk about the Senate on Synodality, but before I do that, I want to talk about losing my laptop. Synod, not? Synodality, losing laptop. There we go. You've not l mentioned it? No, I haven't mentioned it at all. <sighs> yeah, you guys can pray for that, you dear listeners. Uh, when I was coming back from my trip to Denver, I went through the security line, and you have to put stuff in bins, and including my laptop. And it just the the crazy way that the crowd went through there, and the bins kind of stacked up on top of each other. I gathered all my belongings, and there were no other bins there. So somehow my laptop got either got hung up inside the machine, and I didn't realize it, and I left. So I've been interacting with. Let's see, TSA, Denver Police, Denver Airport, trying to get access to the video of that time when I went through security so that they can figure out, because it's not in Lost and Found, it's not at the security station, and so where is it? And they haven't found it, is what you're saying? Well, no, they haven't found it. No, and Has anyone signed in to it? No, um, no one has signed in on that laptop yet, but thanks be to God. But there's, I, there are a lot of files 
on that laptop that just my notes that I typed in that I didn't like save in the cloud or send to myself in an email. So there's a, a kind of letting go. There's a tremendous amount of suff- a surrendering that's involved in just living life. And this laptop is an example of sometimes you're not letting go. It's literally being pulled from you. One of my worst experiences is when I lost my phone about four years ago and lost all the photos for two years. That was so devastating. And right now, if I lose my phone, right now my cloud is full and it says, you need to buy more storage, which I haven't done. And I won't do. I'll just go delete more videos. But if I were to lose the photos from the last two years or the last three months or whatever, I just, photos are precious. Not that all our kids have phones and they've gathered photos, but still, or every event, <laughs> like we went to the, uh, they won the volleyball tournament. And of course, 14 parents go down to take a photo. And I'm thinking in my mind, can't we all just share the photo? Why does why is every parent down there? So I I illogically think if I lose my phone, I will just contact people from all these different events that I won't remember, of course, because my phone is like a diary. It's a photo diary. If you ever go back and look. I just wonder what it's going to be like when our kids are, let's call them great-grandparents, because of the way that their ancestors, you know, their ancestors, not their ancestors, their progeny, um, will be able to access their lives. Oh, well, just right now, look at all the recordings you have of the radio or the videos we have. I don't, I think I have five total photos of me as a child. There's a wound there. My kids have five a a day. (laughs) Five photos a day, five photos a week. It's crazy. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder how much of that will ever get accessed by, again, think of it, the great, 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 great grandkids. Uh, I mean, by then, they'll be 3D holographic, realistic, interactive, <laughs> chat GPT-based AI uh, creations of, uh, of, of, of you, right? They're going to, they'll download your, the sum total of what you've said. I wonder if they could do that. They could take all my Sound Insight programs. Put them into ChatGPT. You should do that for your radio show. <gasps> just say, honey, I'm a little tired tonight. Oh. So I just sent all my files I, I to AI. I just ChatGPT'd. I took my voice and they just generated a show. I'm Based sure. Based on a, a feast day insight? Uh, oh, yeah. You could just upload the coming. 12 St. Francis feast days you've done over the last 20 wow. years. Wow. And then. Uh, Guys, we just, there, there's a. There's, there's a, no more podcast. There's a business there. <laughs> There's a business there. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to they don't have to have AI do it. <laughs> okay. I, I want to come around to Synod on Synodality because believe it or not, this is actually critical to living a family life. Not the content of what came from that synod, but the principles that under uh were underneath the synod. Does that make any sense? Nope. Nope. essentially it means this are you willing to be open to each other and walk together and the the idea is that you might just gain an insight that will shift your thinking on things there you go does that make any sense yeah i have found it's it's so fascinating i have to remind myself again and again 
that if I'm talking to someone who has a different mindset, I am just going to beat my head against a wall if I attempt to change how they see things. It doesn't work. And I've seen that in some recent conversations with family members, not in our family, you, you and me. Um, oh, yeah, wait a minute. You and me. But uh, not, not just us, but uh, family members and then in, in some of my professional work, real estate work, just talking with someone. And I'm like, oh, wow, you just see it differently. Oh, I can convince you. Let me just talk some more. And then you'll have a changed mindset. And it doesn't happen. And that's, that's a humbling, but I think it's a valuable recognition that brothers and sisters, when you're in conversations with people, don't just say, we, we are disagreeing at the, at the place of the content of what we're saying. But no, it actually goes back to the consciousness of how you're looking at it. And that, that profound level of conversion, that's the hardest that, that's the deepest and hardest level of, of conversion there is. It's not just changing a behavior or even an attitude. It's changing a mindset. And so being about, like, how am I looking at things is really, really so important in so many areas of life, in relationships, in family life, in parenting, in uh, how you relate to, to education, work, God, faith, all of that. Just so important. I just like to stay in my own, have everyone around me have the same mindset. It's just a very nice, comfortable Echo place. chamber. Yes, just, I'm all for the echo chamber. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Welcome to the modern day divide <laughs> that social media that's, it's a, Well, that's if they a, could all see the truth, they would be on my side. And then mm-hmm. they, you don't even agree with yourself from three years ago and seven <laughs> years ago and 10 years You're ago. You're right. You know what I realized? I have a new favorite candy bar. After plum, pl- going through all my kids' candy, I really liked Reese's. A few years ago, it was Twix. Way back in the beginning, it was Snickers. But now I have a new candy bar. It's not Almond Joy. There's no way. It's Almond Joy. <laughs> those are kind just, of a those joke. are the leftover candy bars. Okay. That's, that's the pile. That's the <laughs> throwaway. That's the give it to the poor pile. <laughs> give it to the poor, the homeless. No, that's the pile. That's the candy bar you have when everything else is oh, gone. Oh, wait a minute. It was Butterfingers. Yes. Is that right? I've been loving those Butterfingers. It's butter fingers. dusty. It's a dusty I candy. I like that texture. It's not dusty. It's crunchy, kind of chewy. I like the butter. You know, I really like caramel. I like butter, cream, any kind of, uh, yeah. All right. What's your, wait, what's Simple your, question. What's your favorite candy? Uh, I'll tell you in a minute. What's the worst named candy? Um, chewy something. No, milk. Nut. Milk duds. Oh. I mean, <laughs> If you're going to name a I candy. I like milk duds. Do you really? Yeah. Well, I don't Aren't like those. Are those dusty as well? Yeah, see? Those are no, dusty. No. Uh, oh, you're thinking of Whoppers. Uh, I don't milk know. Milk duds get stuck in your teeth because they're caramel oh, covered See, I don't chocolate. even know. I don't eat them because mm-hmm. they're named milk duds. For many years, I loved paydays. Have you had a payday? I don't payday? even know what a payday is. It's tons of nuts, salty, and then it has like a caramel... Well, now there are so many of those like sports bars 
that are just a bunch of nuts glued together by chocolate, you know, sugar and chocolate. Protein. They're very healthy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, my favorite candy bar. It you know it's I, I'm pretty I'm pretty a plain guy. I mean you named it. I think I would probably say it's a Kit Kat or a Reese's or a Twix. Yes. I don't. It, like, I saw a lot of those wrappers. Those. <laughs> I, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think I only had two Reese's peanut butter cups. Our kids had so much candy. Yeah. So much. What's interesting is candy hasn't changed a lot. I mean, these are the same candy bars that have been around. I mean, they made a little bit of play on the Reese's or the Milky Ways, but I'm thinking chips. When I go to get chips at the store, I'm thinking, oh, you guys will love Doritos or Pringles. And my kids are like, mom, we don't like those at all. Like those are your chips. And now chips have all been changed and updated and more healthy or spicier, but candy bars have not really changed. It's the same candy we had growing up for the most part. Is that odd to think? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, it almost feels like social media apps and platforms. They kind of all morph into each other, hmm. right? So it, you know, Snapchat starts with one thing and then it pretty much turns into Instagram, which pretty much turns into Facebook, which pretty much turns into YouTube, which pretty much turns into TikTok. Uh, you think that's how candy is? Yeah, like M&M's. You just add a little nut, chocolate, caramel. That's 80%. Now, now you go. Yeah. So if you get now, now uh, what do you call an M&M with, with peanut butter oh, in it? Oh, peanut butter M&M's. Yeah. You call Then now what's the difference between that and a little Reese's piece? piece? Well, there's Nothing. definitely a difference, Tom. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. There is a morph. So, um, well, I I still enjoyed the 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 celebration, the fellowship, and the horse trading that went on among the kiddos uh, that were there. I think that it, it's a it's a kind of a redemption of the that holiday. By uh, by the kids that you bring together, the families you bring together, right? So it was a nice opportunity for us to be able to be together with people from church. You know, it is a holiday where people want to be somewhere. I keep forgetting that. You, I know we want to be somewhere. Although after everything was said and done and everyone left, I said to you, and this might be for a lot of people, five years from now, we'll have no one here. It'll be quiet. There'll be no more face paint, no more glitter, no more pizzas. Yeah, but you sing it sad with the sadness. It, it, I am sad. I am really sad by that. It just feels like a uh, time goes by. Yeah, I feel very melancholy. It's probably the weather. It's well. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's going to get darker in two days. <laughs> and colder. Yeah, colder and darker. Well, no, I'm talking about daylight savings time, yeah. right? Then, it, it'll yeah. be lighter earlier right so yes. it'll be lighter when you wake up in the yes. morning but it'll be darker by four thirty or five o'clock so yeah. okay so um i want to come back around to um this synod on synodality in part because there was a lot of churn a lot of hand-wringing a lot of chatter online about um about uh, oh, this is going to be a terrible thing for the church, and and what's Pope Francis doing? And this cardinal said this, and this bishop said that this might mean this, and I I just I, I feel that sense of 
sadness that we can be so easily distracted away from what really matters. And when I say what really matters, I mean growing in holiness. I mean loving Jesus and being loved by Jesus. Sort of the, the like, let's get down to the foundations. Um, I have to admit, I was kind of proud. Uh, I don't know, it was one of our kids from Franciscan sent it to us. They had, uh, like, I don't know if it was some kind of, like, little podcast or something um, where the kids were going around, give me your hot take on this or that. And they were just going around to random students at Franciscan. And then they came to a, a group that involved Ariana and, and John Mark. Do you remember? Do you remember what their hot takes were? Like, what's your uh, Catholic hot take? Yes. Ariana was Catholics need better worship, more worship. I wish they had more worship. And then John Mark was, I wish the Catholics read their Bible more. Yeah. Or I, knew their Bible more. Better. Or needed to read the Bible more, something like that. How's it? So my hot take, Carrie, is that the uh, when you can get together couples and have a neat conversation around um, a book like Interior Freedom, it's really beautiful. It's actually very powerful. A number of the families that were with us in Halloween are couples that are have come to our house for the last several weeks to talk about Interior Freedom by Father Jacques Philippe. And it is really neat what I see unfolding there. I mean, we, we end up having a a facilitated conversation that goes for probably an hour and a half. And it goes by so fast. And it, for me, speaks, this is my hot take, Catholic adults are hungry for rich conversation about the faith. Okay, we're up against a break. When we come back, let's dig into that some more. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern along with my lovely wife, Carrie. So, Carrie, let's get back to my birthday. I mean, sorry, let's get back to the Friday night couples Bible study. Maybe, they, will there be a cake? Are you going to do something for oh, me tonight? With the, uh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. There's still time. It's a book we study. Have we have candy. We have, ca- we have, ca- we have candy. lots of candy. We've got lots of candy. Sit some whipped cream out. Uh, hot take for me for Catholics. I think they hunger for community. I, there is just not enough small groups. There's not enough fellowship. There's not enough coming together and talking about, no, not talking about politics or talking about church doctrine. Right, or and not church. echo chamber stuff. Yeah, I just cannot do that. I really want to get to the heart of what's going on in your life behind the, behind the four walls. You should come to heart. the parents meeting for the basketball team. Do you like <laughs> how I did that? I just kind of... <laughs> I don't know. I just say it gives an opportunity to say it's we, gonna we could probably unveil the hearts of these young ladies. Of, uh, wholesome drinking game every Friday with the basketball, and how often you say something or another. I'm not sure what though, but no hot take for uh, fa- just faith is that desire to share with others your life. So I think that they need permission and they need the invitation. And I think the group gives permission, and then the way I facilitate it gives an invitation. And I, and I try to do it in a way that's a little bit clever or a little bit funny, cutesy. But I think it does create a sense of saying, oh, okay, it's going to be my turn to share too. I think it's easy to hide in a group and not actually share. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed about our group is that um, people are stepping up 
and and being willing to get beyond, let me just share my thinking about this, but instead share more about my experience of living this or pondering this or wrestling with this, right? Like last Friday, we talked about a really fascinating topic, which was, do you remember, generational sin and generational blessings? That's right. That was actually really interesting, which makes me want to discuss that or research that further because I did not know that because you said sin goes back three generations, whereas blessing goes back seven. Yeah, you want to say it goes down. Goes down. Right, so it goes goes forward. Oh. Right? So it's like when you sin, they, the damage will go to the third generation. But it, the blessings... To my kids. My kids. kids and my grandkids, yeah. Oh, but I came from somewhere too. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Are but you I, sure I'm that just... sin doesn't go like 20 generations? Well... <laughs> It's like, if you don't sever it, who's going to sever it? I know. And then how does it get transformed? I don't know. Well, and then I love the other part, that the blessings go down for seven generations. And and you could say seven means seven, but it also means it's perfect. It just continues on. It's just, there's a flow. And I can remember when I first heard about the concept of healing the family tree. And there was a book called Healing the Family Tree. And they talked about generational healing or generational healing because, well, why? Because there are generational curses. And, and that can seem a little bit hokey, I think, for most people. The idea that, what are you talking about? Someone cursed my grandparents and that who's, who's doing the cursing and what is the curse like? And why would that curse have any impact beyond, if it had any impact at all, how, why would it carry down? And... And so it's more, those are insights that come from like exorcists who in their own having to pray and, and minister deliverance and exorcism have somehow come to these, these insights, which is really striking. But I love the idea of a, an inheritance of blessings that the Lord has intended to flow down through the generations, but that flow has slowed down or been blocked through sin. And that healing the family tree, generational healing, is about removing blockages to the flow of God's grace, gifts, blessings, uh, anointing that he's intending to flow down through uh, from one generation to the next. That's really powerful. You can also, I mean, look at or hear the testimonies of other families and what they've seen and get ideas because it takes a lot of thought in my mind and a lot of knowledge of your grandparents and parents and what they sensed is their gifting or their, and and when you say blessing, I'm not sure if that means like character qualities or does that mean supernatural um, gifting or does it mean... Like blessing, is it financial blessing or spiritual blessing? Like this family is just very faith-filled and they naturally want to know and, and pray and seek God and do his will and they're into service and ministry or, I don't know, there's just so many meanings behind that. So it's something that would, for me, need further research. I love it. Uh, dig into it and let me know. <laughs> sure, I'll get right on that. Well, 
You no, but think about it. I, I well, I should say think about it. I don't have. A, like, I don't think there's like a simple, clean, containerized answer. But I bet you there it are is. people who have researched this, or that's their passion and their interest. In there is a lot of content out there. If one wanted to further, yeah, I. I remember reading, this was a Protestant author who was talking about generational blessings, and he referred to one of the founding fathers of our country and said, here is their lineage. And like flowing from them was like all of these lawyers and judges and Supreme Court people and governors and and it was like all of these sort of impressive resumes and um, important positions of, of power. And, and he was using that as an example of the flowing of blessings from the generations. Well, you know, they talk about the Kennedy curse. Well, yeah, there you go. I mean, they do have, and I, I can actually say in my mom's siblings, there are definitely families where there's been more difficulty and hardships in death than in others. And I feel like for my mom's, us and, and what she's been given and what she's been able to, her and my dad, what God has blessed them with, it definitely feels like there's a hand of blessing and grace on like our family. preservation. Yeah, what we've been preserved from. Just not the, just the sheer number of just tragic, hard, difficult situations. Not that we all don't share in some suffering at some point, but you know, when you're talking about these exorcist priests, they are dealing with some of really difficult, complicated mental, physical, emotional, whatever, spiritual situations. And I'm sure the supernatural shows up in a more distinct way where they can see the grandfather, the great-great-grandmother, or whatever. Most people live an ordinary kind of humdrum spiritual life of mediocrity. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to, I, you know, of course I want to be super, super holy, but I just don't feel like those, those people are just standing out significantly as these great saints. Um, and so when you take it the opposite, those who are really struggling in sin and darkness and oppression, you're going to see supernatural divisiveness or evil more clearly as an exorcist priest. So, so, but most people just don't go on either of those sides of the bell curve. They're kind of in the middle. Yeah. So it's harder to see. And, you know, in the, in the way in God's creation, grace builds on nature. So things that you see in the supernatural also manifest in the natural. Okay. So for instance, I think that the like medical researchers have identified um, I, I don't know if they call them dispositions or inclinations or genetic tendencies that will follow a generation. Like they'll go from parent to child. Or yeah. And, right. and would that be considered a blessing or just a tendency? That's where I'm not sure how that... Well, uh, what I think... I See, I think it's easier to identify the, the, the dark side of that or the broken side of that, right? So when you hear about mental illness... Right? Oh, yeah, that runs in the family or suicidal ideation or even suicide. Mm -hmm. It There's something about it runs in the family. And um, yeah, that's interesting. It's easier to see the, 
the harder, more complicated, sinful nature than the that family which is flourishing and thriving, and they all just seem to grow. Because that is also related to, like you said, grace in striving after excellence, and not our human tendency isn't, unless we're in a relationship with Christ, or we are striving for excellence because we want to... I mean, some people just do it for self-gain, but it would be a harder thing to, tr- to track, I think. You know what? I've got an idea about that. <laughs> I do, but I can't tell it to you right now. Uh, but it, it, it's something I've thought about, and it's almost more natural selection than um, inheritance of blessings. But we'll talk about that in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. So, Carrie, we're talking about this idea of generational blessings and generational curses. And we can see, let's call it genetic tendencies or dispositions that are like broken and dark. You can see those sort of handed on. Um, athletics. I think that that's an example of, again, it's more physical, physiological, and it's sort of like uh, the, the joke that runs often is when there's an athletic kid and you say to the parents, oh, where did he get that from? Where did she get that from? I definitely see musical talent in families. In gifting and Handing performance down. art. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like those who can sing or perform or even uh, drama, those who can act or instruments come naturally to them. Um, How about like mechanical aptitude? Um, or... Uh, yeah, because I, I, yeah, part I think, of me just thinks of that as like personality. Yeah, but. those are more the, the the tendency of a family gene, whereas I don't think that's what I'm imagining when I think blessing. Yeah. God's blessing, where his grace, his hand, his providence is upon. And I guess it, it, what makes it stand out is when I see a family that doesn't have it, and I think, wow, this struggle is so... feel so, so exposed. Yeah. It's so vul- you're just so vulnerable to to everything it's it's just my heart goes out to that situation and i've seen it i wonder i you know they they what's that phrase heaven will reveal all i don't know if you have you used that phrase or no. heard that phrase no i like that though heaven will reveal all right i will um i'll use that occasionally um when i'm like writing a letter i won't say it so much in person but i'll say it in a letter um like you have no idea the impact that you've had on my life and on the lives of so many others, but heaven will reveal all, you know, it, it, it becomes known what, like what is hidden from the the view of the world is going to be made known. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, I'm always meaning that in a negative way. You have no idea the negative impact. No, it's a joke, <laughs> um, but no, it's the positive impact I, I, w- w- that I was thinking about there. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that, um, like Father Mark Noonan, there are so many concepts that I share on Sound Insight that came from him. And if I hadn't been given the gift of having him shape and form my life, I wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be I. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be the person that I am today. I wouldn't be living my faith the way that I live it today. I wouldn't be, there's like, for instance, one of the gifts that Father Mark Noonan gave me, St. Bonaventure. I don't think I ever would have discovered. In St. Catilda. Wait, what's the name you're saying? Saint Clotilda. Oh, Don't Clotilda. you pick on my my new personal patron saint given to me by heaven? Why would you do that? Because, oh, that's a funny story. It is a funny story. It's not. It's it's a. Uh, 
don't know. Well, it's it's one of those stories where either you say, I see God's hand and discernment at work, or, oh, that's really hokey, right? There's not a lot of middle ground there. And it, and it was very simply on All Saints Day, I was saying to the folks on Sun Inside, if you can listen in, hey, say a prayer right now, and the Lord's going to bring a name to mind, a saint to mind, and, and just trust and test if that, in fact, is a saint that God is bringing uh, bringing into your life to be a source of blessing to you. And so I said, I'm going to do it too. Because uh, I got a whole bunch of saints th- that I have con- a sense of connection with. And um, I said, okay, and let's pray. <laughs> and I prayed in this name, Clotilda. <laughs> like, Saint Clotilda? What is a Saint Clotilda? And I was, I was a bit embarrassed because I said, okay, I got a name, but I'm not going to tell you who it is. <laughs> is that because you didn't know if it was even a I didn't a know if real... it was a saint. <laughs> just and came to your I, mind? It came to my mind, That's and I didn't crazy. want to be embarrassed that I said a name, and then people Googled it, and there was no St. Clotilda, or Clotilda was Where's the name faith? of some witch or something like that, something really <laughs> negative. So when the program ended, I uh, Googled it, and I'm like, oh! St. Clotilda, my new best friend, the 5th century saint, married to Clovis, the king of the Franks. You think of France as the, uh, what do they say, the first daughter of the church, right? Um, um, Because of its faith, it's always kept the faith. You know who you got to thank for that? Clotilda, right? St. Clotilda, she, you know, influenced her husband how's that for a word the king of the franks she influenced him greatly uh saying you need to convert to, to the catholic faith and and he did and uh they built um uh saint genevieve church in france and you're asking me as if i know yes know. yes it was saint genevieve church in france so carrie we're gonna pray right now for you you need, you need a new no. saint. I have. I have Brother Lawrence. I got the book and everything. Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection? Uh, he sits out. He built, I think, St. <laughs> Joseph's. Oratory? I believe in Canada. Oh, <laughs> Maybe I'm mixing no, up no, a no. couple of different people. All I know is I did that saint generator and I got him and then I ordered his book online. It's still sitting upstairs and I need to read it and make a better effort. I, I have a hard enough time keeping my relationships of real people going, let alone trying to add a few. I guess it would be helpful. It'd be helpful, but some holy saints and getting to know them as well. I just, heck, I need to just spend time getting to know the Lord. That's a, <laughs> right now. That would be my main priority. All right, here's my real question for you. So you will often share how much of a blessing it is to be getting up in the morning and having some good prayer time. Are you talking to me? <laughs> Just making sure. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Oh, okay, okay. You talk about a miracle morning. You talk about when you got up, you get downstairs, you light your candle. Can I just you tell you, it is winter. It is officially winter. It is cold. It is dreary. So. It was so overcast today. I felt like I was in Seattle. And I thought, I can't do this for another month, let alone You're not even letting week. me ask my question. I know, because I'm telling you, you there's know a mood. You question is. No, I don't. Well, the question is, what do I do? When I gently nudge you in the morning and say, honey, this is your chance. You can get up and you can have a good half an hour, 45 minutes. 
The coffee is ready. The kitchen is clean. Come out and just spend some time with the Lord. I do. I do it when I drop off my daughter. I can sing the whole way home. I have a half hour. Is that what you do? Yes. Oh, that would be actually a great use of time. Well, can you consider it full, like engagement if you're driving and praying no i think that somewhat counts but i have a harder time hearing uh i you know honestly i'm I'm glad for those who can wake up and just enter right into god's the throne room i fall asleep at the foot of the cross (laughs) i have to get when i wake up i need to get up and actually be active otherwise i like slumber right back to sleep well you can nine o'clock's about go to bed early it's not about that. It's well, you know what would be better is if it was just sunny out when I got up. That would be helpful. Can I like get a spotlight? <laughs> yeah. Can I do something? I feel like I'm just giving a lot of terrible excuses. Uh, no, when I get up, I need to actually like go work out, go walk, go drive my daughter to school. I have to wake up. I and coffee's not gonna do it. So I don't sit. Well, I can sit and talk with you, but for me to sit and engage in quiet prayer is a lot harder. Well, it doesn't have to be quiet prayer. You can like do what I do, liturgy of the hours, or you can read a book, you know, spiritual reading, or you can pray rosary. It's a lot easier for me to go on Facebook and just see how everyone's doing, <laughs> check the mail. That's the, the problem. See, joke. <laughs> okay, I know. All right. So uh, so then, do I wake you up? Well, why are we talking up? about me? Can we just... I, Not talk about me. I want guidance. Oh, I want you're, guidance. Uh, on the right, you want to have guidance about Alive, our spontaneous no. right now. Absolutely. Not. Do I wake you up right or now? Do I, <laughs> all right. I what I face when I wake up. I, it's so funny. I don't even use an alarm clock anymore. Is that I just will naturally wake up. The question is, how early is too early? Like when I wake up at five. Do I say, okay, let me go back to sleep for another half an hour? And um, oh, and so when if I wake up at six, I feel like I've lost. What does St. Clotilde say? I don't when know. Did, there it is. When did she wake up? Thank you. She. I don't know. So what, they didn't, they didn't track her life like <laughs> that. Brother Lawrence. That's what I found. What happened to her? She, her husband dies, and then you said she goes and lives with her, bro- her brother-in-law? Yeah, so she, the... Uh, the Clovis is one of a number of sons who are all given parts of their dad's kingdom. And then there's just this big battles that involve So them. you thought your family was fighting hard. Uh, I know. This is These people are actually killing each other. They're killing each other. So she's praying and begging <laughs> for reconciliation and peace among these Wait. family members. These running these these different sections of France and, and beyond. And eventually... Um, she just re- retires to like a kind of quasi monastic life where she just pray- prays and does works of charity to, to help. And, I- and I'm-, I'm just blown away by the fact that she could be brought into a position where she's a queen, the most like powerful person, one of the most powerful people in Europe. And she influences the most powerful man in Europe. I'm impressed that the Lord gave mm. you that name. I know. Matilda. Isn't that cool? See, now, was that hokey? <laughs> Yes. Or was that God? Yes. Okay. <laughs> God is hokey. <laughs> there God, is a simplicity God does things. and a freedom yeah. and a trust. And the Lord just says, do you believe me or not? Let's go. This is not going to be supernatural, like wise. I am t- I'm saying, Clotilda, bring it on. Say, Clotilda, let's go. I'm ready. And, I, and you said it right. I, I pretty much got her to myself. No one's like focused on St. Clotilda. Let's you go. have her to yourself. I do. Not anymore now. You Not anymore. I know. I shared it. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much for being with me. God bless you. Have a great day.
and join me on Monday for more Sound Insight.